The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Sitting here this morning and being cold, <laughs> I, uh, I was reminded of a, there's a Zen teaching that it, it's something like when it's cold, um, well, the, 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 the way it's usually translated is when it's cold, let the cold kill you. <laughs> when it's hot, let the heat kill you. Sometimes we soften that to say, <laughs> when it's cold, be one with the coldness. You know, because I think that's the spirit of it. And when it's hot, be totally one with the heat. So the idea that any sense of separation uh, is a kind of resistance to how it is, how it happens to be right now. So, and that's often where a lot of the, the, the pain, the suffering comes in, is in that sort of grappling with, well, it shouldn't be that way. I wasn't expecting it to be this way, these things. And to just let go into it you know, um, and um, accept it, you know, that this is how it is right now, this is how it is right now, is is such an important movement uh, in, in, in meditation practice, in Dharma practice. Um, we'll always have expectations, we'll always have uh, preferences, but is there a way that we can get some independence from those preferences or some freedom from them? So when things aren't exactly the way I want them to be, um, it's okay. And I have a way of sort of being with it and harmonizing with it. Um, another example of this is just driving and being in traffic. You know, I. I come down from the city and uh, usually take 280. And, um, and this morning, it was so beautiful as just before getting to 92, the fog was really low and we drove through. It just felt like driving through the clouds and it was completely white and it just lasted for, you know, a few, five seconds, 10 seconds or something. Over, over one of the bridges before, before the 92. And, um, but it was just lovely. It was, um, and I, I was reflecting on the times when I'm driving and sitting in traffic and there's a focus on where I'm going, where I'm supposed to be, what time is it? Is it, am I late? Is it, you know? And almost like there can be an energy in the body of leaning forward and pushing and come on, you know, let's go, let's go. And I could feel that a little bit with, uh, there was another driver who was in a big, big truck and he was just going this lane and then this lane and then this lane and then this lane. And he was nowhere to go, you know, and he, you know all that effort and he got a little bit ahead. But, um, and how different the experience is when when there's enough sense of calm, enough presence to just settle into, okay, this is how it is right now. 
And even though I have this intention and this direction, I'm going somewhere, I haven't forgotten that I'm coming to IMC. You know, I'm still, the car's still moving. I'm still, you know, that intention is still operating. It's like, can I relax into this moment and be here and harmonize with how things are and, and, and the way things are right now? And then it's, it's a much more pleasant experience. And then there's a sense of ease. And there's an availability from moments of beauty and from moments of sweetness, like driving through the clouds. And wow. And, you know, I'm guessing maybe because, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have something on the radio and I wasn't thinking about anything in particular. There was maybe more more presence, more awareness for an enjoyment of that. And then I thought, well, maybe I should roll down the windows and smell this cloud or smell this fog. And that was very nice. You know, so um, something about uh, even though we, we have a direction and we, of course, we want something. We want to get something out of practice. You know, I think we wouldn't be motivated to begin meditation if there wasn't some way we wanted to change or we wanted to grow or we wanted to some kind of suffering or difficulty to be uh, alleviated. So that brings us to practice. And then a big part of practice is learning to um, hold, hold our wishes, hold our hopes, hold our aspirations, our expectations, but also learn how to let go of them and learn how to settle into how things are right now. Um, and uh, there is a, um, a teaching which is chanted in some meditation centers, but I think it has such a, it has such a nice poetic um, crystallization of practice and so I'll, I'll just read it to you. Uh, it's four lines. And maybe you could say all of the practices in these four lines. So caught in a self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. And being just this moment, compassion's way. Um, caught in a self-centered dream, only suffering. Holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. Being just this moment, compassion's way. I believe this, uh, this chant, this teaching was uh, in these, this wording was formulated from Joko Beck. Uh, some of you might remember her, who's a Zen teacher in Southern California. And it took me a long time to realize that this is a, um, a formulation or a way of expressing the Four Noble Truths which is a teaching that we often you know, talk about here, that we have here in our, 
in our practice as being sort of considered the the essence of what the Buddha taught, the kernel of the Buddha's teaching, which is usually, as it's as it's said, it's there's the truth of suffering or stress or or unease, uh, and there's a cause of that suffering, uh, which is clinging, self-clinging, and there's the truth of the end of suffering, and there's the path to that or the cause for that. Um, which is sometimes elaborated as the eightfold path. But as I think in the Four Noble Truths, it's just there's a path out of suffering, or there's a, there's a cause for the end of suffering. So the first Noble Truth, you know, there is suffering. So she said, caught in a self-centered dream, only suffering. And there's a cause of suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. And there's the end of suffering. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher. And then the path, the practice, being just this moment, compassion's way. Nice, you know, this very um, and and what I like about it is it, you know, when we talk about clinging. Um, I don't know, that sounds a little abstract. I'm not exactly sure what that is, what, what is clinging. But I know what it's like to be lost in self-centered thoughts. I know what that feels like. Um, and, and the way that that is sort of a dream. It has a dream-like quality and when we're meditating and when we're, we're dreaming. Usually, where that dream has has one character who things revolve around or things are you know it's about you know, usually about me you know something to do with me and um, so something about this is pointing to the essence of practice is being free breaking out of this um, small room of self or this this prison of self. Um, somehow going beyond a kind of um, excessive self-involvement or, or self-centeredness, which I think is, is, just, is just the way, the way, the way people are, the way, the way we've, we're sort of conditioned. And so, so the Buddha talked about this practice as going against the stream, you know. To go with the flow is to just be caught up in, in my own dream, in my own story. Um, and a big part of practice is cultivating certain qualities that help to take us out of this, this uh, sort of excessive self-centeredness. Um, and so the quality that is said to be foundational, you know, at the beginning of the Buddhist path, and the one I wanted to talk about today um, and share, share a few reflections on, is the quality of generosity, um, which, is, which is in the Pali uh, dana. And in some way, I think that 
the essence of practice is generosity, um, which, which maybe we could define as giving or as offering without any, um, without some sense that it needs to be reciprocated or it needs to be paid back. It's like this freely offer, freely, something that's freely offered, to freely give, to freely offer. Um, I, I have some involvement with Japan because my wife is from there and we, we spend some time there. And if some of you who've been to Japan or who know, giving gifts is a big part of Japanese culture. And so you don't go somewhere, you can go to someone's house, you always bring something, you always have a gift. And so there's a whole, you know, people often travel by train, so in every train station, there's like a gift shop, basically. And so you get like, you know, it might be sweets, it might be, you know, some, some, some small thing, but they're all wrapped beautifully. And they have, you know, and they're, they're designed to something that you can just pick up and then bring and give. And it's beautiful. And it's this beautiful um, cultural norm. Um, and the more I spend time in Japan, the more I realize that even though it's a gift, it's not really that optional. <laughs> you know, and so, I mean, if, you know, being American, it, it, nobody, I mean, the expectations are so low that, you know, <laughs> you forget anything, you, you know, they, they, don't, they don't think that we would understand that. But there's a way that um, when you go somewhere, you bring a gift and you sort of have to. And when, when they come to your house or your, they bring a gift. And so it would be, not that it's exactly transactional, but I remember when we, when I had my wedding, which was in Japan, part of the norm or part of, you know, one of the things that's sometimes done if, if, there, if it's people are traveling and it's at a hotel, the couple who are getting married pay for everyone's hotel room. You know, so you invite someone and then they come and, you know, we just get a block of rooms and, you know, just give them a room. And that's nice, you know, nice. And if you can afford to do it, it's a very beautiful um, thing. And then everyone who comes, they give a wedding gift. And the gift is, is cash, usually cash. And it's cash which is designed to basically pay for the room. You know, and so without anything being said, it's just sort of understood that, you know, you go and you give 200 or three, equivalent of 200 or $300 or whatever it would be, maybe, you know, depending on the, you know, how, how the hotel and the thing like that. And that sort of covers the room and maybe a little extra or something. But, um, so there's a recipro- reciprocity involved. So much so that when we had relatives come to, when our, our babies are, were born in Japan, and my wife comes from a very, you know, she, she's, she's one of three, but each of her parents is like one of ten siblings, nine or ten. So this big family. And, um, and her, her parents were the youngest siblings, or were sort of young, younger in, in that in those families. So we have a lot of older relatives and older aunts and uncles. 
And so when they were, and you know, they don't have, they're farmers, they live in the countryside, they don't have much money. And so they were coming, and then every time they'd come, they'd bring cash, you know, and for the new baby. And at a certain point, I was, you know, we were saying, like, please tell them, we don't, you know, and they don't have much at all, and they live very, very simply. And I was starting to feel uncomfortable, you know, that everything coming. And I said, I told them, I told them, but there's no way they will leave without giving us that money. And, and then I realized that the way that it would be that we could feel better is if we went to visit them and then we would bring that money back. <laughs> you know, and, and so there's a way that the money sort of, um, it's almost like it's the same $100 bill. <laughs> And it just keeps moving back and forth. And um, so there's a sweetness in that. So, um, so generosity as, as, as a virtue, as a quality of something that is um, offered freely, you know, it's not in payment for something, but it's really a giving from our heart. And um, in, as, as a Dharma quality, it's said to be one of the paramis, one of these um, virtues or inner, inner beautiful qualities that um, when cultivated, these help bring us to freedom. These help bring us to the other shore. I think parami, the literal meaning, has to do with going to the other shore, like gate, gate, paragate. So um, I think probably all religions, all spiritual practices say generosity is a good thing. Um, And then maybe one of the unique things about Dharma practice is that it's the focus of it, although although it is an offering to someone uh, or to something, one of the big benefits of it is how it changes us and how it affects us. And so the Buddha said things like, if beings knew how how wonderful it is to be generous and how wonderful it is to give of ourselves. We would never let an opportunity go by without giving. Not because the world needs it and people need it and it's, you know, there's so much, you know, need and suffering that we can, um, but because it's so beneficial to us to, you know, to, 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 it's a turning of the heart in a certain kind of way. So we would never eat without sharing some of that food, you know. Um, and um, if you think about, you know, in this stanza about letting go, you know, if the heart of the practice is letting go, um, being somehow releasing clinging, a self, a self, self centered clinging, self-centered involvement. Generosity is a training in letting go. It's a training. It's a sort of outward manifestation of really the essence of practice, you know. Um, So the Buddha talked about a person of integrity gives a gift with a sense of conviction. A person of integrity gives a gift attentively. A person of integrity gives a gift in season. 
A person of integrity gives a gift with an empathetic heart, with empathy. And a person of integrity gives a gift without adversely affecting himself or others. Um, I like this because it taught it to me. It's it's not so much that you should just give everything away, you know. And um, I shouldn't have ev- anything and just give everything I have. And that's really virtuous and that's really spiritual. It's about giving wisely. It's about giving with mindfulness, with care, really reflecting on it, um, this attentiveness. Um, so, so maybe, you know, if we're talking about um, money, for example, it, you know, there's a way to give money that's sort of like, okay, okay, I'll get, you know, oh, write a check and just, and don't think about it again. And it's not, you know, it doesn't affect me. You know, or is there a way to really you know, even if it's not much or, you know, in an absolute value, not, not so much money, it's giving from, from the heart, you know, in a way that has, that has care, that, that's attentive, that's, that has um, our wishes, our intentions sort of um, infused in it, infused in the gift. Um, Yeah, and to give with conviction. Um, um, to, to actually give to a cause that is, uh, you know, that, that we have reflected on and that we feel this is good. This is something or to, or to someone or to, um, it says, having given a gift with a sense of conviction, he or she, wherever the result of that gift ripens, is rich with much wealth, with many possessions. Um, so having, having the conviction that even if we're not so aware of it, that gift will ripen somehow. Um, so, so it's said that that this quality of generosity, this quality of opening the heart is uh, foundational on the path. Even before meditating, um, the Buddha taught first to cultivate generosity. And then this quality of generosity um, is onward leading to a sense of ethics and a sense of integrity. And from that foundation of ethical, wise living, wise choices, meditation is said to flow very beautifully. You know, if, um, if we are meditating and we're, um, we're, we're not living in, a, in an ethical way or we're somehow we're agitated, um, then it's said that, that that will maybe in a way block our meditation. And so I remember one of my teachers in Asia saying that if you feel stuck in your meditation somewhere, it might be beneficial to check your sila, check your ethics. Um, not, you know, not that something, um, you know, there's some terrible, you're doing something terribly wrong, but is there some way, it's like that thorn in, the, in your shoe, you know, it's like, oh, there's something that doesn't feel quite right, but I don't know what it is. And... Um, 
just to just to look and reflect and um, and see is there some adjustment that could be made and then that often can open the heart in a beautiful way for the meditation um, and then the nice thing about this schema is that so we meditate and um, develop calmness and insight and clarity and awaken to something and understand something in, in, in a way we didn't before. And then it's said that we share that. You know, so we teach, we, we offer. And so again, it's this is generosity, this is dana, this is service, so coming full circle, like at the beginning of the path and at the end of the path. Um, it, the Buddha talked about the joy for, for giving to be a parami of, of you know, this quality of generosity that helps to free us. Um, there should be joy there. There, you know, it's, it comes with joy. There should be joy before we give. There should be joy while we give. And there should be joy afterwards when we reflect on it. You know, and if there isn't joy, you know, if thinking about it, it's like, you know, there's something that's not right or it doesn't feel right, then maybe we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't give in that way. Or maybe we should reflect on what, you know, what's there or where is, what isn't right here? You know, is it something about the situation and the recipient that doesn't feel right? Is it something about, you know, am I, am I holding somewhere? Am I stuck somewhere? Um, in this way, generosity can be a, a very um, helpful practice. Um, sometimes I think about generosity in two ways. One is this very natural, very uh, spontaneous flowing you know, so if, some, if we encounter someone who's in need or some situation that's in need and we're connected, we're mindful, we're aware, we are, our heart is open, then generosity is something that flows. It's so natural. So, you know, like so I think about maybe the classic example is of a parent with a child, you know, and that giving, that wanting to give, that wanting to care, that wanting to um, offer something of ourselves is just the most natural thing. You know? Or, you know, we hear about something, some story, uh, some heartbreak in the news, or something, our heart just goes out and we want to do something. So this, this natural outflowing. Um, and then, you know, um, there are times when maybe it doesn't feel so natural or it doesn't feel like, um, you know, maybe, maybe in some way we think, oh, you know, it'd be good to do something or it'd be good to offer volunteer or show up for that. But there's something, I don't know, I don't know if I can or I don't know if I feel uh, so inspired to or I'm so busy, I'm so... Um, I don't feel like I have enough to give right now. I'm suffering in all these ways. And then it's interesting, and then it's like, can generosity be a practice? And it becomes, um, in a way, a mirror for us. And it, it can show me where I'm stuck, 
where I'm holding, where the heart is not open. And, and that's fine. And that's fine. And, and that is something that's good to see. And it's good to, so, so um, you know, where, where in my life is generosity difficult? Where don't I feel that, 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 that just open, open heartedness? And, um, and just to notice that, no, notice that as well. So it's like, um, w- you know, without some sense of should, but just, but just using it as as a mirror, right? as a as a as a way to sh- to show us where our own minds and hearts are. Um, one of the, you know, in in terms of 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 the joy of giving and the joy of offering one of the sweet ways that generosity as a practice can be felt is that that sense of happiness that we get in in the act of giving um i've heard this sometimes is called instant karma or you know that you know when we you know and it could be what driving and that the generosity of of letting someone go first or the let this hasn't happened um it's actually only happened once or twice, but being on the bridge and someone in front of me paying for my toll, isn't that, you know, what a sweet, and what just the sweetness of that being, the sweetness of being the recipient of generosity and then offering that to the next person, offering that. And, the, you know, so if we're um, present and if we're, aware enough we can we can delight in these moments of generosity and those are said to be onward leading those open the heart um, another way of reflecting on generosity is to re- recollect and and remember and um, appreciate all the ways that we have been the recipients of generosity of the goodwill, of the kindness, of the the giving uh, from others. Um, in one way, it's like, you know, just to be in this human, from the Dharma perspective, just to be incarnated in this human form, to be born as a human being is such a gift. You know, and say that this is the form that is uh, the realm that's said to be sort of like the best one to be in because it's, it's, there's, there's not too much suffering, there's not too little suffering, although maybe it will, f- sometimes it feels like there's too much. If you're, um, there's just enough difficulty to work with. There's just enough... Um, it's like the sweet spot where it's possible to actually awaken. We may think we want to be in heavenly realms, but um, it's said that because they're so pleasant and they're so, it's like, it's like a dream. It's, 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 um, even, even if it's a pleasant dream, even if it's a, a wonderful dream, it's still a dream. It's still, it's still a realm where, we're not, 
you know, we're not in touch with what's real. And um, so, so the gift of, of being alive in this human form um, And I think that um, when we see our life as a gift, you know, we didn't we weren't we didn't ask to be born. Um, but when we see our life as a gift, there's a shift of pers- perspective. Um, and, I, and I think so much of this, of the qualities of generosity, the qualities of gratitude, of, of, of thankfulness, of gratefulness, um, are so much about our perception. You know, is the glass half empty? And am I a person who has a lot of problems and has l- got a lot of bad luck and a lot of, uh, you know, difficulties and... Um, or is the glass half full? And is there a way of, um, yes, there are, there are, are difficulties, but um, each moment is an opportunity to connect with something that's maybe um, mysterious and full of wonder and far beyond what I can even grasp. And so this shift of perception, shift of perspective, can so affect how we experience ourselves, how we experience our life, how we experience our practice. You know, if Dharma practice is about putting in the minutes, hours on the cushion, or reading these books, in order to get something, even if it's something beautiful, like peace, like loving kindness, like freedom, like joy, um, there's a way that it's out of the realm of generosity. You know, generosity is this giving without any sense of being paid back. So when I sit, when I practice to give our whole being to this moment, to, you know, being just this moment, compassion's way, when there's no difference between me and the moment, I've let go of expectations. I've let go of this gaining mind, this in order to mind, this, and I've stepped out of the sort of transactional realm. And I'm in the, maybe we could call it the gift economy, <laughs> you know, just to sit, just to give our attention to the breath, to the body, to this moment as a free offering, an offering of the heart. Um, that's generosity. You know, so we could say it's the essence of practice, it's the essence of meditation. Um, to totally give ourselves. And in that giving, we discover something. We dis- maybe we discover who we are um, beyond the confines of our thinking, of the small me, uh, the, the, the self-centered dream. Um, just in this opening, this o- again and again, coming back to the breath, coming back to the body, opening to this moment, uh, however it happens to be. 
you know, and sometimes this moment will be full of joy and delight and peace. Sometimes this moment will have agitation, frustration, boredom. Um, and it's not so much about the content of the moment, but about the willingness to, um, you know, to simply have the experience we're having and be with it knowing that it will change, knowing that it will um, dissolve and uh, flow into something else. So over and over again, uh, being just this moment. And, um, I think, so, so, so that, you know, stepping out of that transactional mindset and into this realm of uh, gifts, you know, letting, letting meditation practice be a gift, letting even our difficulties, even the things that challenge us, in what way are they a gift or could they be a gift? Um, of course, nobody wants uh, loss. Nobody wants physical pain. Nobody wants uh, all the kinds of human uh, suffering that that we will have. But is there a way it could be a gift? Is there a way that it has something to teach us? Um, and then maybe, you know, hopefully coming here, coming to IMC, helps us to shift into this way of being. You know, if 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 we came here and we said, well, you know, the first level of teaching is free, but <laughs> to get to level two, well, you know, it costs this much, and there's this thing, and you can, you know, you can go online and get pay and get a password, and then come bring your password here, and then we'll give you the second teaching. You know, that is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know, you know, this is the way of the world, and and people have to make a living, and. Um, and, and that's, and that's, you know, and that's the sort of transactional model. And then accepting that, that things can be like that, but then we can come here and it's sort of like everything here is freely offered. It's like this building, um, this sound system, this using the bathroom, the toilet paper, and that, everything was donated. It's like, how amazing. And I, when I reflect on that just a little bit, there's like a, ah, you can kind of relax. It's like nobody's going to be badgering you to, for this or that. And, you know, it's just free, freely offered. And in that spirit, I think, in that field of goodwill, that field of, of giving, of offering, I think meditation practice, dharma practice, maybe can unfold in a different way. And then I'm a little embarrassed that for years and years I, I was coming here and um, I never, I, you know, maybe I did, I, I don't remember, but I don't think I made it a practice to, um, to, to give donations here. And it was, it was sort of like this place is here and it's just, it's, it's here, it looks fine and it's, all, you know, it's doing well and I'm happy to, happy to, happy it's here. 
And then at some point, I felt so, there was so much gratitude, and there was so much uh, happiness that this place was here, and it was such a refuge, that there was, there was this reflection, like the Buddha said, there was this giving with conviction. And I thought, no, this is a good thing. I want to support this. And I think of all the other things that I spend money on. No, this is good. This is, you know, and, and it, was a, it was organic. It came from the heart. And, and so I like that. I like that it's, there's a, every person can find their own way and their own relationship to uh, this quality of generosity and this quality of, um, of, of offering. And, and just, the, just that, just to remember that um, this is the heart of practice, the essence of practice, you could say, um, is, is, you know, it, it's, such a, it's such a generosity to ourselves to, to meditate, to practice. And in all the ways that we, that we soften, that we open, that we transform, our practice is a gift to others, becomes a gift to others. So instead of being a person who's really on the freeway and just cut, 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 come on, yeah, no. I can, I can remember something and in that way of being, you know, that's a gift to others. Um, just our presence, just our, um, there's so many ways of being generous that are beyond money. You know, often we think about money, but our time, our care, to give someone a smile, to, 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 to meet another person, even if it's in the realm of transactions, like a checkout at the grocery store, and to really connect with that person, maybe that's a form of generosity and a form of, a form of giving. Um, so I, I offer those words, um, reflection on, on, this, on this beautiful quality that, that I think is... Uh, has the potential to really make us happy, you know, and to give in a way that's meaningful to, to ourselves. I think that's where the spiritual um, nature of it comes in. It's, you know, it's not about money or an amount. It's not about how we look compared to others. But what's meaningful to me? What's, and and what's, what, what would give me joy? Um, that's, that joy is so important on the path. That, that joy, where there's no joy, there can be no, no Buddhist path. There can be no unfolding of the path. So to, to, to sense into what, or some way that giving can bring joy. Um, and then it's all good. It, it, it gives to others and it, and it, it gives to ourselves. Um, all these great qualities that, uh, that that can make our life so much so much richer. So, um, thank you, thank you very much. Mm. I wonder if anyone has thoughts or yeah. yeah. We have a few minutes for. So I read an article uh, recently about a woman in Saudi Arabia who got raped. And then the man married her so he could get out of punishment, and she committed suicide. Mm. 
And I'm wondering, you said like being a human being is a great gift, and I think for a lot of people it is. But what about like the poor young lady in Saudi Arabia? I mean, how how would I mean? Obviously, life could still be a gift, but that's pretty pretty tough, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for the question. And we, you know, stories of that are you know not sadly not uncommon you know of the of the of how sort of nasty painful life can be in a situation you think of someone who's you know all the all the all the ways that being in a human body basically the human the nature of being human is we are open sensitive vulnerable systems so without that much control and we didn't ask to be born let alone to where we were born or how we were born into what family and what circumstances and there is so much suffering there can be so much suffering and this is this is the i think part of the radical nature of the buddha's teaching the challenging nature that it's not is there a way of holding not you know not at all to discount the very real human suffering that's there and um, you know children who are mistreated and all these things and um, so so that's a fact and that and that exists and that is something that hopefully we can meet with compassion and care and you know um, and then the sort of radical nature of the Buddhist teaching is that each one of us has agency, has some, uh, maybe we can say more, more than we would think, um, agency in terms of what, how we react, how we respond to that, those circumstances. And, you know, I would never say, oh, you've had, you've had, you know, you've been raped, you've had this, you should feel like this, or you should do this. Um, however, um, there have been um, very, very inspiring stories of resilience and ways that um, as human beings, we have the capacity to um, not only um, cope with tragedy and with unspeakable suffering, unspeakable heartbreak, but actually to grow from that and to have a, you know, there's this uh, phenomenon that now people study called post-traumatic growth. We all know about post-traumatic uh, stress, post-traumatic suffering, but um, there's also this phenomenon of people who have been, through, you know, you're talking about refugees or people, who, you know, just horrible, horrible things and have not, not only sort of gotten back to baseline, but have grown in all these amazing ways and have learned and have um, been able to teach others. And, 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 sort of, you know, and so they've become lights in a world, you know, in a, a world where there's darkness. Um, their own inner light has, uh, has, has, has been able to um, help others. So, so the Buddha is saying, 
we're not just victims. You know, often we're victims, but we also have how we respond, how we relate, how we deal with what has happened to us is what makes it possible to be free, what makes it possible to wake up. So um, I think it's a message of hope. It's not, it's not a message of blame, but I think, um, I, I think it's, you know, I think about this in terms of some of the refugee crises that are happening right now. Someone from our Sangha is in, um, working in the refugee camps in Bangladesh, where there's these hundreds of thousands of, of Muslims who are kind of driven out of, of Burma's Buddhist country. And, you know, something like 200,000 children who were orphaned. And, um, you know, just the fact that it's possible to, uh, you know, these teachings are a way of addressing uh, the part that we can do. You know, and even if it's 5%, 95% is out there, if there's 5% or 1%, there's something we can do. Um, that teaching of, you know, the, the, the two arrows, I don't know if you know that, the first arrow is, you know, the pain of life. And, and all these other arrows are in our, our response to it, our reaction. And the first arrow is given. You know, it's out of our control. Um, but these, if we can begin pulling out these extra arrows, that's, you know, that's, that's the place of practice. Uh, thank you. Question. Um, I'm a... Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm a private tutor for a living, and uh, I was just a couple of weeks ago tutoring a student in reading comprehension of the SAT, and the passage we had to analyze was on gift giving. And it said that um, people buying gifts think the recipient is going to be more impressed by a more expensive gift, but for the vast majority of people, that's actually not true at all. And most people when receiving a gift don't really care about the price tag. Mm. Uh, but they haven't figured out, they've, they've failed to figure out that the rest of the world, most of the rest of the world doesn't care about the price tag either. They still project that onto everybody else. So yeah. the, the level of the empathy was, um, is, is still a little incomplete. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, it was great. I mean, especially in this time of holiday season, I think it's um, maybe it's wise to reflect on gift giving and how we give, what gifts have been meaningful to us, what gifts. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and the Buddha talking about giving with empathy, and um, and the intention behind the gift. Um, I remember early in my practice, I used to sit in Mountain View at, with Kanando. Some of you might know that Zen Center, very nice. Before they moved over to Rock Street, they had a very small little lovely uh, Zendo, in Mount, also Mountain View. And I remember um, Les, the, the teacher there, it was like around Christmas time, and, and he said, he talked about you know, 
Christmas or whatever and gift giving. And, and he said the gift he received from his wife was a, it was a wrench. And it was a beautifully wrapped, you know, very simple, very, you know, it's, I mean, something he needed and it was something, but I, I it, you know, it was one wrench and that was, and, that, and they, and they get, that we're in the practice of giving each other these very simple um, gifts that had some relevance and there was some need. But the way he, somehow the way he talked about it was with such reverence, you know, and it was with the, the most ordinary thing. Um, and that, I, that always kind of stayed with me, of, you know, that, that yeah, it's, it's, it's not about the object. And um, um, I think we, yeah, in, in our in our culture of most of us, you know, are probably have too much stuff rather than too little. And um, I think it's yeah, it's a nice reflection. Yeah. Do you want to use the microphone? Ah, oh, and, and then yeah. I've been reflecting a lot about my brother. And um, on Thanksgiving, my sister said, if you could talk to anyone, who would you want to talk to? And I said, "Um, I'd like to talk to Kenneth. Because when he came back, he served in Vietnam. And when he came back, he committed suicide. Mm. And now I understand that it was post-traumatic stress that that they didn't know about or or deal with at that time. But um, I would just like to talk to him and, and mm. know what did you experience when you were there that mm. caused you to come back and commit suicide? Well, he was so young; he was only 19, mm. and. Um, Today he would be 70. Mm. And so when you brought that up, I thought, this is really wonderful that you brought that up because that's what I'm dealing with now, Mm. that loss. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for for sharing that with us. You read some of the qualities of a person of integrity when they give. Yeah. Something that it's a person of integrity gives a gift in season and others like that. And that really reminded me of the qualities of right speech, Mm. which is timely and so on. So I thought, in my job, I talk a lot. And I want my speech to be a gift. Mm. But I don't want to be depleted at the end of the day. So how do I do that? Yeah. Um, you know, I, one of the things I like about this, the teaching on generosity and is that it is, is giving, that I think the Buddha says in here, that doesn't harm myself. 
doesn't, you know, so it's not so much about give till it hurts. <laughs> you know, and it's actually wise giving, wise generosity is, um, includes ourselves. And if there's a way that, um, you know, I think if there's a way that we can speak with it, somehow in, in sharing an offering that gives us joy, that gives us delight w- in the process of, of that sharing, then that is, w- was the question about being depleted at the end? The yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then that, um, I, I, f- I f- like when I'm depleted, it's either that there's some way I'm holding it that is out of balance, you know? And so is there a way of coming into balance with sharing what I have to offer that is, you know, that rather than um, sort of draining me is, is filling me up as well, you know? And, and, then, and then sometimes when I'm teaching retreat and I might see 15 yogis run after the another. And, but it, it's very interesting. It's at the end of that, I often have more energy. And it wasn't like, you, know, you think, wow, to see 15 people in a row, each person for 10 minutes or 15 minutes, you know, that c- and to listen and to, and to be, pre- that, that could be draining. But actually, and it, it can be draining. There's a way of, of being, of, of, of relating to it that can be draining. But there's also a way that it's sort of, each person is filling me up. You know, so especially in terms of, of speaking and speech, which is part of a relationship, is there a way that, you know, you can draw energy, not only from what you're sharing, but from the person, you know, or somehow maybe from their being, being, you know, letting that be a gift to you. And so it's this mutual filling up. So, I don't know, that's, that's one idea. I've been coming here uh, for many, many years, on and off. And initially, I used to not give anything because I felt somehow magically this place works without me having to give. And at some point, I started giving. But even today, there's this um, sense in me that I'm trying to measure how much I'm giving. Um, sometimes I feel I haven't, I've received so much and I haven't given, whether it's here or anywhere. I mean, I've been volunteering now on and off for the last uh, year in India and here. And uh, there are times when there's a lot of pride. Oh, I've given so much. And there are times when I feel, oh, if, no matter how much I give, that's not enough. And listening to you, it really, there was a realization. There's no need to quantify. There's no need to measure. This measurement thing is probably I'll never be able to give if I start measuring and maybe I have to just give up on trying to measure how much I give yeah. that's, that's my feeling yeah nice beautiful I think I think w- we often also don't really appreciate all the ways we are generous we already are generous you know and 
And, and so part of the practice of generosity is reflecting on the ways that, you know, we're generous, getting the light from them, you know, really taking that in, okay, I did that, that was good, that helped someone. And yeah, yeah, in the realm of measuring is a little more on the side of transaction and, um, you know, letting, letting the heart qualities of it really, you know, savor that, letting that um, just, just, you know, um, be absorbed, you know, absorb, absorb that in some way. And not to worry so much about measuring. I think, I think, I, I agree with that. And, and I mean, and just to say something about, you know, um, the losses that we have experienced um, and, and, the, and the suffering that is in the world, not, not to just say automatically, oh, you know, they're a gift, or, you know, like, you know to sort of, um, but it's like, so much is how we see it. Our, our, pers- our you know, our, pers- our perception, you know, so is there a way that something can, to allow it to be a tragedy, allow it to be a loss, you know, thinking about your brother and all, maybe that potential of a whole lifetime, you know, of goodness that, um, that wasn't to be. And to, al- and to feel the pain and to feel the, 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 the loss of that, the, the tragedy of that. Um, and is there some way, is there some blessing that can, you know, that to allow the life that he had to be a blessing, to allow his own journey in exactly how it was to, to learn from the gift of that, you know, in how it was and to hold both of those. You know, and I feel that's the sort of um, the 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 paradox of Dharma is that we hold we hold these both of those truths um, to honor honor the suffering and and also somehow see the perfection in the essence of it, which is the perfection in everything. In the you know, there's this one of my favorite teachings of the Buddha. Is it? I'm gonna. The Pali is something like Vimuti Sara Sabe Dhamma. Vimuti is freedom or deliverance or something. Sara is essence. Sabe Dhamma is all things, all experience. So the Buddha is saying the essence of all experience is freedom. The essence of all experience is a kind of perfection, you know. And it's not saying that things are all perfect, and you know. And but there's something about the true nature of it, or the essence of it, is itself freedom, you know. And I think about that, and it's like, ah, right, you know. There's that too, to hold that also, and. Um, and, 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 to, and what is it to walk and to be in this world that f- can feel very imperfect and very painful and, and to hold that, that difficulty with 
with this teaching about uh, essence, you know. And, uh, so, okay. Thank you very much. <laughs>